Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Becoming the 1% Podcast. My guest today is the incredible Brad Levitt. He is the CEO of AFT Construction. He is an award-winning general contractor here in Arizona. He specializes in commercial and residential real estate development. Very high-end stuff. Very, very quality. Amazing build-outs. You guys have got to see this guy's page. It's truly incredible. We go over the systems that he uses for marketing, how he finds his brand, what he uses to actually develop these homes in the process that he goes through, and the uh, very much excited uh, anticipation for the collaboration of our two companies. Very excited to talk about that. Enjoy the episode. And also have a very Merry Christmas. And we're live. What's up, Brad? What's up, guys? Welcome. How you doing? Good, Good, man. It's great to see you again. Yeah, I'm excited it's been, to be here. It's been a this long... place is totally different. I mean, last time I was here, you were just building the podcast room, and now, look, it's completely finished. So. <laughs> it's come a long way. When was it? When were you here last? Uh you know what? It's a good question. It's probably like three or four months ago. It's been that because you're right. We yeah. did hustle this room out. Like yeah, we, you did. You got it done. It's probably four months ago. I mean, I look at what you've done. It's just incredible. Just Thanks, the man. amount of detail. I mean, it's yeah. definitely on brand for where you guys are. So yeah, bro. <sighs> you too. I see your projects all so the time, good. all over social, and I'm just I've been excited for this episode for a while now. Uh, for anybody who doesn't quite know, I went on Brad's podcast, yep. the AFT Construction Podcast. Mm -hmm. I, well, I like to start each episode just treating it as if no one has any idea who you are. I want to know who you are, what you've been doing, and what what is AFT construction. So take it away. Yeah. So essentially, I mean, I, my background's construction. I wanted to get into high-end, you know, luxury product. We do commercial as well. And, you know, most people know us for the high-end luxury product. And Exclusively in Arizona? Yeah, exclusively. Okay. I, I grew up in San Diego and California, so that's kind of background. But Arizona's home now. Mm -hmm. We will be expanding, though. I know, I'm sure we'll get into branding and marketing and stuff and just the value of that and how that can open up different opportunities and markets. So there's some other signature markets throughout the country that we'll be opening up in shortly. Uh, but yeah, this is like, this is what I want to do. Build things, create things, you know, work with clients, build companies. I mean, you know, I'm big about speaking about my guests and I know you were on branding, you know, marketing is a big thing. Understanding that, you know, business is agnostic, right? Like you need to be a business owner that happens to focus, focus on your specialty. Yeah. And I've yeah. become obsessed with business and systems and how can I incorporate all these things, you know, from people I network with into my company. And that's really where we are trying to be is not just a construction yeah. company, but a, a, a business that's changing the industry and market and construction. That's kind of this, you know, very slow changing prehistoric undocumented like industry at least the residential side you know commercial is a little bit more savvy you know how they're how they're building especially some of these big projects throughout the country and world but sure um but essentially that's kind of who we are we build luxury products 17 employees um homes that range from net zero you know building science you know national home of the year we're building which is here in phoenix uh all the way up to Homes that are sixty thousand square feet with lazy rivers and trampoline barns, and <laughs> I've seen some yeah, of those. Can you pull up stuff. some of the drone footage of the of the luxury, the big homes, whenever you can? Yeah, just Instagram? some of the ones he's done. Is that the best place? Best to go? place? Yeah, to get Instagram, those YouTube, Instagram? yeah, all kinds. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I, I, the first, I think the very first interaction we had was through social media, yep. and I was first attracted to it because, of course, there's a lot of different luxury home builders that are doing this, but I, I was drawn to it because of the efficiency of your marketing, of your branding, and how you took the quality of the content to launch pad the product that you're making. So where has that found its value in your systems? The, the specifically pertaining to the presentation, how it translates on social media, how, how has that worked into your, how is that integrated? Well, um, I think there's two parts. That, I mean, there's the how and the why, right? I mean, the why we can get into later, but as far as how, it's, it, the reality is like we're out here building and you know, that, you know, 
Elon Musk always talks about, we don't have enough builders, right? And engineers and people creating stuff. And so mm -hmm. this stuff's happening. Like some of the craftsmen that are out there building this stuff, like I'm amazed when I see that they can come in, especially some of these complicated builds we're doing on a hillside. I would just this morning before coming here, I'm at a project in North Scottsdale. Client is from out of state. They buy 14 acres of private hillside. No one's ever touched this hillside ever. They have a driveway that's a thousand feet, three football fields up the mountain. <laughs> what? Houses cantilevered off the hillside. The amount of talent and coordination and planning and logistics uh -huh. to build this house is so complex. And even and just to build a driveway. The driveway. And and you think about a thousand foot driveway up 14 acres, cantilevered off a hill, and then you're supporting this single story modern home glass hallways yeah i mean it's just it's amazing and the thing is like just logistically the the trades that are involved in building this and setting boulders and uh you know the utilities to get up there that thousand feet and then the shut down the site and making sure that you still have accessibility and so it's that kind of stuff that i want to show like mm -hmm. here's here's what it takes to build a project of this magnitude here's the coordination the amount of people and i mean we have one signature project in gilbert yeah, this is a How great. How big is that house? So we have two houses here. One's 30, the one on the left is going to be 35,000, the one on the right is 25,000. So you have oh about 60,000. What is that structure feet. in the back area? Is that is that a parking garage? So right, so it so the <laughs> so the, the back area, yeah, so the one in the back, that's going to be that's actually the basement. It's a 20 foot 24 wow. foot basement wall. Board in wow. place 24 foot wall. We're setting all the structural steel. We actually just rolled the floor trusses, so I'll get some new drone video. Whoa. But the swimming pool actually goes there underneath the basement, so it comes underneath the house. The swimming pool goes underneath yeah. the house? Yeah, and the reason that's 24 feet is because you have a basketball court. You know, they're going to have a cold plunge, a gym. <laughs> You're going to be talking about the gym. Yeah, like man. That collaboration. So, and, and then in the front, we have like a football field and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. So the reality is like there's just – that's why we're doing this to show clients. One, we have the expertise to do it. We mm -hmm. have the know-how. We have – the people, the systems, and everything in place. Uh, but more importantly, it's just fun. People like to see cool stuff being built Heck and yeah. see how is it made. I mean, LinkedIn, this stuff goes viral because most people don't see that kind of content. Yeah, anyone anyone watching this needs to go check out uh, AFT underscore construction uh, at Instagram. This page is truly amazing. It is. Uh, my question is, how has social media for you changed the game? What, what has it done for your business? Uh, and that's, I, I can speak about this forever. So, um, <laughs> I think there's about six different arms and channels right through social media. So when any business owner, we're, we're going to talk about systems and marketing and stuff, but I can tell you systems wise, what it's done is it's opened up opportunities to collaborate with people in my industry. So mm. construction is very difficult because I'm competing against people locally. So they're not going to be like, Hey Brad, here's how you price a job, right? Here's how you build it structurally. Here's how, your profit margin. Here's how you build your schedule. And you know, you're just not going to get this one-on-one, -on -one. but nationally I can now collaborate and meet builders and say, Hey, what are you charging? How are you doing this? You know, how do you work through this issue? So what's happened is as a brand, like, is I've it because they're in a different market? Different market demographic? They don't compete. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't, don't compete. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, Hey Brad, you know, I like what you're doing. And then there could be some reciprocity. I show them like some marketing strategies and they show me some, you know, how they're running their company. And and so there's that avenue that it opens up doors of collaboration yeah. with people inside and outside of my industry. Right. There's a lot to be learned from businesses outside of construction. How are they operating? How are they creating efficiencies? You know, how are they creating systems? What's their marketing strategy? Ideal client, all this stuff. How can I incorporate that knowledge now? And so these channels, this communication, these relationships have been opened uh, through social media. Mm -hmm. Number two is um, you think about... Silent salesmen, people that sell your brand that aren't on your payroll. 
So the more people you have that are selling your brand, well, you create this workforce of people that are selling your brand, right? I, Traeger was on, uh, Jeremy Andrews, who owns Traeger, right? He's, he, you know, he wants to create these um, evangelists that speak about the Traeger smoker, right? That's like their marketing strategy and they're on the Dan Patrick show and they have Meet Friday and they have all these, you know, neat things they do because they create this community and essentially mm -hmm. as a brand, if you can do that. So social media is a way where as we show efficiencies and quality and systems that I find clients will come to me like, uh, case in point, a year ago, my wife and I are at the movies, a couple comes up and they're like, hey, are you guys Brad and Ashley? And we're like, yes. They're like, you're going to build a house one day because all five of our kids who you've never met follow you on Instagram. And they say, <laughs> if we don't hire you to build our house, they're going to disown us. And so I've never met their kids and they're not on social media. Their kids aren't. So you can build this like workforce that's out there. That's pretty uh -huh. um, and I feel as, you know, just the marketing side, uh, you, you can dictate your market. Mm -hmm. And, and when, by dictating your market, it, essentially what it comes down to is that, you know, there's value based on the brand you've built, based on the team you have, based on the product you're executing mm -hmm. and getting that ideal client that lines with that, you know, budget, schedule, timing, you can start bringing in the right people, right. That are attracted to that. Yeah. And that, you know, my clients are entrepreneurs, they've built businesses, they believe in entrepreneur. They see what I'm doing. They know that our team and they want to be part of that. And so it just creates this great image. And then also um, collaboration with vendors, you know, it's open up channels where products that we're using, mm -hmm. they want to be on our platform. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Same know, here. Yeah. yeah. And COVID, but in COVID you're dealing with supply chain. This is a big issue. Supply chain yeah. in construction. So having a direct point of contact at some of these big manufacturers where no one could get windows or no one can get appliances or certain, you know, I could call them and say, Hey guys, I need a favor. I have this client signature client. We're trying to get this done. Here's our timeline. Bam. So again, it's, it's just a quicker way to make connections. And those are just a few examples through social media. Well, if that phone call had come from somebody who perhaps didn't value their social media, didn't have the presence and they were building a house for a signature client, they may not be able to get through to the CEO of so-and-so shutters or the window company. But for someone like yourself, if you've made that network connection and you know those people, then hey, they're only just a text away or a phone call away. That is sort of one of many, I think, unspoken benefits of creating a healthy presence online especially through collaboration if you see collaboration as the value over competition with the people that you work around i find that oftentimes that's reciprocated across the board and it's we similar thing here i mean with all that equipment we don't we don't buy we don't really buy things anymore most of the stuff is all through collaboration and that's really important to understand that if you're somebody who is just, you're like, okay, why would I create social media? Well, maybe I just want to sell more things. That's probably the wrong way to be thinking about your social media and your Or you want to be an influencer or something. Yeah, even worse. Even yeah. worse. <laughs> I want to be an influencer. That's the worst thing you could want to be on, online. But if you are looking at it through the lens of, if I do this in three years, this will help me establish X, Y, and Z. Once that happens, my competition will perhaps view me as you know, less threatening, maybe more helpful, or maybe there's a chance we could all work together, which actually does kind of lead to my next point. You had mentioned that other construction companies outside of your market demographic, much more open to collaboration. Do you find that, and I suppose this could be across the board anywhere in the nation. Do you find that other local builders, is there, is there ever contention? Is there, cause obviously the market's only as big as the market is. Do you find that how do you deal with that? I mean, do other builders and you work together or is it just that doesn't really happen in, in high-end construction? 
Uh, it does. And I think it depends on people's mindset, right? Either you have the, the mindset of abundance or scarcity. And I've been more of the abundance side. And I've always found that, look, at the end of the day, when I'm collaborating with other builders in town, and I do have a great relationship with a lot of builders in town, a lot of them maybe my same age, maybe just a little older, just a little younger, maybe you know trying to get their feet wet or ask different things that have worked for me. I really don't have an issue sharing that, especially as you know I've been fortunate to download information from other builders and other mentors I've had in, in, in construction. I just don't see this competition. The reason being is that you know we have our brand, we have our personality, we have our core of what we do. People can't, you know, they can't copy that. They can try, they can no. try to imitate it. But the thing is, at the core of it, we have a unique team. We have unique people. We have unique brand, unique company culture. It's gonna be really hard for somebody to. Um, to create an exact replica of that. So I don't, you know, if clients are going to go to them, they're going to go to them for a certain reason. When they come to us, they're coming to us for a certain reason. You know, so that part doesn't give me as much pause. Speaking my lingo, man, it's it's literally, I couldn't, I couldn't say it any better myself. It's the same way that we in, in our industry view, I mean, fitness or anything related to anything that we do. I mean, the market is plenty big. That's my opinion right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So if you have a difference of opinion on that, then, well, maybe that's something you should think about. I see it as there is no scarcity. There's nothing but abundance everywhere for everyone. And for me, in the brain that we create, I know nobody can replicate this because nobody can replicate us and what we bring to the table and you know extrapolate that now the business has grown it's its own thing people are starting to know it the same way they know yours and so the competition hopefully they change their mindset toward okay there's abundance enough for everybody maybe i should work with this company that's doing really really incredible things that maybe i would like to do and it's the same thing for us i always look up and i always look towards somebody who is doing something better than how i am and never being afraid to reach out and have those conversations with peers, whether they're local or remote. I think that's really important for growth. Yeah, it's huge. And and the thing is, um, why not? I mean, th there is value to being a thought leader, right? So Brandon, Jake, you guys, I mean, the personality, the drive, what you're doing for the fitness industry, right? And the education, there's value to that. There's value to the customer who see you as a thought leader. You're gonna bring in a more, much more savvy clientele you know, that has uh, certain goals that they want to achieve and they believe in you. And same thing for us. Like we have a, a very savvy clientele that understand what they want. They most of them have built before they have experience and sure they, they know we're there. And so, but even more than that, you know, I look at this, what's your legacy? I mean, something, everyone has their different motive, right? Um, but legacy wise, you like the more people that we can assist and elevate the industry, construction is a tough industry. It just is. It's really hard. Oh, I can imagine. There's, there's millions of elements. You're doing trade labor, you know, so the labor at times is not the most qualified. Um, there could be language barriers. There's um, product issues. Um, you're dealing with risk all day, life safety stuff of people on site being safe. You're dealing with, you know, clients moving in or they're going to be window leaks. And, you know, so, so it's just this constant battle. And so why not, you know, educate, why not elevate the industry? Because so part of that, you know, I started the contractor coalition summit and I had a ton of people reaching out through social media. Hey, Brad, can you mentor me? Can I come shadow you? You know, you seem to have a good operation. You have, you know, your management style. Uh, feasibly, it's not realistic for me to have people come shadow me all the time. I just don't <laughs> have that time on my schedule. No. So my wife's like, well, why don't you like actually just do a three-day summit where people come in, they pay to attend, and then you teach them all things That's construction. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's so we started really in May idea. in Nashville. So May, 30 builders sold out. Uh, six of which were from Phoenix, my direct competitors who are not going and I'm showing them everything. Here's how I bill. Here's how I do scheduling. Here's how I set client expectations. Here's how I do marketing and branding and social media and everything that goes to running a company. 
in three days, take it all. Uh, and then we had one in Huntington Beach in November, and I'll be hosting in Scottsdale in May. But essentially, I do have competitors coming. I don't worry about it because I'm like, if these builders are more efficient with their systems and pricing and with the trades, well, that a lot of us overlap trades. So that's mm -hmm. just going to be better on my supply, supply chain manpower anyways. Absolutely. And they'll always go ahead, Jake. I was gonna say I love that the the fact that you're you're building it the right way, um, and you know when I think of branding personally, I think of the word trust. So like, if you're doing it the right way and you're not really worried about your competition, you put the blinders on. Mm -hmm. You're creating that trust in the marketplace, and you know we we were talking about it on the last podcast, the Liver King, for example. <laughs> you know you you build up this entire brand. And then you undermine that trust. So fast, it takes it's so it's long to reestablish. If that. it if it if, if it is reestablish, re yeah. It. yeah, yeah, and he'll have a painful climb trying yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, but but to that point, I love that Jake. The trust thing is big because you can create. Uh, there, there's one thing, and and I will say a lot of clients do see we're we're prevalent on social media. We're active on there. Um, you know, I have uh, part of that is hey, we're going to be here. Like, I care about our reputation. I care about the product and brand that we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure that we're not um, doing anything that's not, you know, great for your home or the industry. And so so there is some ownership there that I have to take. And then the trust side is key because what ends up happening, to your point, Jake, is that you start having clients like, hey, when when I get to this point in life, AFTs and build my house. And then that's when it's like, okay, now I've arrived. When I get those comments all the time, like one day, AFT's going to build our house. We're, you know, prepping for that point, you know, because essentially we built that trust with that consumer uh -huh. that when they're ready, when things line up, whatever that means for them at their time in life, we'll be ready to build that dream home for them. I mean, I made yeah. that comment like two hours ago. Two years <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, when it happens, it happens. Yeah. And even even in our industry, it's like the, the trust goes beyond just your immediate clients. So it's like if if Brandon puts together an amazing program for one of his clients in person or online, um, they're going to recommend that person to friends or family. Mm -hmm. And the friend and family member is going to listen to their advice more than they're going to listen to what Brandon has to say to them. So it's it's kind of like a ripple effect. Once mm -hmm. you create and establish that trust, well, that the word gets spread to someone else uh, and, and it's kind of a snowball effect that, yeah. that you get going. And to other products, to other, to other things that they may be interested in buying or you could potentially sell them. Yeah. Not even upsell them, but if someone trusts your opinion on buying a house, they'll probably trust your opinion on where to get a pool, where to get yeah. where to get a grill, where to get a gym made. Like mm -hmm. they will ask your opinion on anything, maybe if it's not even directly related to the first interaction you had. If I make someone a meal plan and they trust me enough to do that, well, they will probably trust me enough to do mobile training or whatever. That's yeah, it it extrapolates. Well, what's interesting about that too, Brandon Jake, is that uh, part of that trust is gained too, is that you guys, ideally, everyone listening should know exactly who their ideal client is. They should know who mm. they're marketing to, who that customer is. The reason I say that, because you can't be everything to everybody, right? I can't do every project. There are certain things where there'd be, there'd be someone better for me to hand it off because it's just not my wheelhouse. And so the more honest you could be with your customer, the more you can identify that. And then when a customer comes in, and, and I'll give a little example. There's a player for the Arizona Cardinals um, who I have a good relationship with. And he's like, hey, Brad, I want you to do my remodel. So I meet with him and I spent a lot of time. And this is a year of working through. And it ended up being what he wanted to do. I just went to him and sat down and said, look, you're going to spend X dollars. Mm -hmm. Your house is worth Y. You're in this neighborhood. You're never going to get that back. 
And it's not that I don't want to do this job and the camaraderie of working with the Arizona NFL player, you know, but at the end of the day, as your friend, like I can't have you go spend, you know, $1.8 million on this remodel that you'll never get back. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he's like, no one would ever tell me that because <laughs> they want the work. You're walking away from a $2 million job. I consult to me and I'm like, look, at the end of the day, I'd rather consult people, you know, cause this project kind of grew into something it wasn't uh -huh. or had not originally started to be. And I'm just like, this one needs to happen. And so he ends up calling his financial advisor and, uh, he calls me back and he's like, Brad, we're going to end up selling this home as is because the market had at this point, you know, had increased. So he, mm -hmm. he would do okay. And we're going to relocate and then we're going to build a new one with you. And I didn't anticipate that and ended up being better for both of us. Yeah. But his financial advisor, when he was looking at new properties, he's like, well, why don't you call your builder? Because, you know, that guy's never going to lead you astray based on that conversation. So the, the thing is like the more trust you can build with people, even if you have the authenticity go to them and say, look, Brandon, you're not going to be this. This isn't a good fit. Like mm -hmm. if you're going to do this kitchen remodel, go with this builder. They're going to sell performance. They're going to knock it out quicker. You're going to save on some middle management fees, project management fees. Yeah. It's going to be better. And then you point people in the right direction. You now have a permanent person that's in your corner, even though you may not even, even service them. Absolutely. I think it's very important for you to have a, I like to call it a reliable downline. Somebody in- so You could refer to. You could refer to. Exactly. Yep. Someone good because that holds weight too. It does. If someone comes to me and is like, oh, I really want to, I cannot do 175. I just can't do it. There's no way. Like, I get it. I get it. Man. I get it. Here's somebody you can go to. They're awesome. They're a little bit cheaper. They're going to be better, but you're going to at least get the same type of treatment maybe on a smaller scale that I would have given you here. But having someone like that for anything you do in your industry is actually really, really smart. How did you, how did you find your way into your particular market, your, your customer base? I mean, who are they today? Who, who buys a house? Who makes a house from AFT? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think clientele who they are, typically most of them uh, are people that have built before. They've had homes. You know, half of our clients are out of state. So They've, they've built, um, you know, whether it be a good career, good living, you know, some sort of wealth where mm -hmm. they're at a point in life where they can have a second home here in Arizona, which is a huge desirable market for second homes, uh, especially from our Midwestern clients where yeah. right now in December, it's pretty cold back in Iowa and Nebraska, Minnesota. And, right now. <laughs> yeah. They like to sneak to Phoenix. Uh, so they're here a lot and there's a big community of that. Um, but what I find is that, you know, most of our clients are people in life that, you know, there's the reality is all, there's a stage of life where budgets, everything, mm -hmm. and, and we can all relate. I know how I start on most of us are this way. And then there's a stage of life where everything's ROI return on investment. Right. So, you know, I'm going to buy this house because this is going to get me into the next one into the next one and build some equity. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're just kind of building your portfolio per se. Um, but there becomes a point of life for people and some of them, maybe have done really well and they're in their thirties or forties. Most of them seem to be fifties, sixties. Sure. But there comes this point where they've created this wealth and they're like, look, I don't want to just, I can't take it with me. I value what I value. Some people value, you know, experience. Some people value luxury. Some people value that white glove service and travel. And, but some people are just like, look, I want what I want. Like yeah. I've, I've been here. There's I've nothing had, wrong with that. No, I've had to buy, you know, have reused couches and sofas. Like we have one client's awesome. They're from New Jersey. They've the American dream. You know, they built this company, they built it and built it and put money into it and expanded and growth. So their whole life, you know, they've been in the same house. They've never bought a new couch 
And then now they're building their dream home, all new furnishings. They're doing the whole like turnkey thing. Good for them. And then of course they move in, they start crying when they see everything because they've never had it. But wow. they're at a point wow. where they're like, I've built my wealth. I can't take it with me. I might as well enjoy it. And so most of our clients are at the stage where, yes, we have to make sure we're designing things that aren't crazy, but at the same time, there's value to it and that that value meets where the client's expectation are. So that's typically who our clients are that value. Um, I don't want to say luxury because not everything we do is over the top. I mean, we do nice stuff, but mm -hmm. um, it's just quality and thought yeah, quality. behind it. And, and building science is a part of that too because I mentioned we're doing the net zero or the house of the year. It's a net zero build, which means- What is that? I, what does that mean? So net zero is essentially the house produces as much energy as it consumes. So it's zero oh. off the grid, which means- it's as a zero footprint on the economy and on the on the grid because I've seen those it, there's a, there's a couple what, what do they call them where they're totally self-sufficient homes they have yeah. them in Sedona they take them to an even different level have you seen those homes I've seen them, where yeah. they have they they collect moisture from the air it goes into an irrigation system they have like an indoor garden yeah and so it grows the home grows its own food it's yep. the wackiest thing I've ever seen it's the, also the most Sedona thing it is oh, the most yeah. Sedona thing. <laughs> you ever built in Sedona I uh, haven't no because we've been trying to again be true to our footprint here because we understand that we'll be expanding to other locations but you know we're just are here. you primarily phoenix maricopa just yeah just, phoenix county because the thing is with with phoenix is uh sedona it's you know the labor force is different and sure, flagstaff yeah. it's different and and so you have prescott so you have to think yeah about these areas. Well, net zero homes look so at net this. zero so passive so essentially like the house we're doing triple pane windows right thermal brakes i won't get solar into solar on the roof solar, on the, solar roof. on the roof but but thermal brakes essentially what you're trying to do is keep in the summer, you're trying to keep heat from getting in the home uh -huh. and air conditioning from escaping, right? You're trying to keep that temperature. So we have like insulated oh, foundations. And, and so anyways, where I'm getting at is that there are people that are willing, whether they have uh, mentally, they want to be sustainable and green and like think about their footprint. Sure. Or maybe they're just like, look, I don't trust the grid. I don't trust... Um, you know, we have the grid is more unstable. It hasn't been maintained. You have a lot of population growth in Phoenix. <laughs> so if there's a natural disaster or COVID or something, then at least I want independence. And so there's value in independence. There's value to, you know, we have a home in Gilbert that we have a 3,000 gallon water tank, right? So the house is, has water storage. We have a 65 kilowatt solar system. We have underground propane. The whole house That's is independent. Awesome. You, ever done a, you ever done an underground shooting range? We have. Yeah. We're in yeah. design right now. That's awesome. Yeah, we've done. Our, our uh, well, I don't know if I'd <laughs> go into details on that. We know somebody who has one. Yes. And they're amazing. <laughs> and so clients want this stuff. And we have one that has an underground bunker and generator, you know, 30-day life kit where they could be essentially in a bunker for 30 days. So, so clients just think about this stuff and, and that's typically who the client is. And what social media has done is that's allowed us to market to them and show mm -hmm. this. And that's what attracts. Like, I know that we're one of the only builders in Arizona doing these high end net zero projects. And because of that, and because we're promoting on YouTube, you know, I have clients mm -hmm. nationally, one from Albuquerque that's like, Brad, I didn't even know builders are building to this level in Phoenix, come build our house. We're doing one and it's going to be incredible. So we'll break ground on that this summer. But it just it in, in Albuquerque. No, they're actually building here oh, from Albuquerque. That's cool. Yeah. So, but they found me. Oh, I'd much rather be here than YouTube. Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. So they found me in New Mexico on their YouTube channel, and they do a lot of research, and they're like, "Hey, that's our builder." So, how much of your demographic of clients come from social media? I mean, can you put a percentage on it, approximately? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's over ninety percent. There we wow. go, ninety wow. percent. Yeah. People never thought. It's funny. It's people are like. There's no way you're telling me you you'll get a four or five six million dollar home from Instagram. I'm like, yep, all oh, day wow. long. People kind of oh, stare at you. That that uh, the 
the one we're showing on the Instagram with that drone at the, the 60,000 square feet, yeah. that's from LinkedIn. Those clients are from LinkedIn and follow me on LinkedIn uh, on that drone tour. And so on the 60,000 square foot house, we LinkedIn. Okay, I want to dig into this. Look at that. Good. You, God. You're talking about this one, right? No, this one is uh, one that's in. That's in Silverleaf. That's up in Scottsdale. Oh, Silverleaf is incredible. Was that we the one that you were showing us before with that he thought was a? Yeah, that was the one. one with the, that one. Yeah. That yeah. one. Yeah. It was this one that we're doing. So, the, so week. how much? Because, okay, couple questions on sure. specifically on social media systems in place. How much do you spend? Do you spend anything on marketing for Instagram? I mean, do you obviously you you hired someone to do your drone shots? Is that the finish line and it's all you all the rest so uh so the way it works is uh so i do have on my podcast i mean i have a podcast producing company right for yep. my youtube channel when i do my youtube videos like the editing and some of the core b-roll and video and stuff i have uh jesse who does that when it comes to like the drone footage i'm doing that we have our own drone so oh there you go we do the drone we Which have model uh i have the mavic 2 pro yeah the mavic 2. okay okay a good one. yeah um and and so we have we have our own drone stuff we have. Um, and then most of it's iPhone. Like a lot of the reels that I'm doing are just to my iPhone. And and so yeah. I'm creating most of the content and then, you know, marketing it like this is who we are. This is our brand because that that's ownership of like the language and the messaging that I want to have. So it's very personal, but and time, but time wise, I mean, cost wise, you're talking, it's just, it's, it's consistency. This is seven years of Instagram. This yeah. is yeah. just every day. You don't find a good fight taking time. And, and out of curiosity, how much time are you actually spending on like a weekly, daily basis on social media? Because I, cause I, I do editing. It's it's time consuming. How do you have time to like manage everything you're doing, doing in it person all by yourself, versus marketing? Doing it, yeah. yeah, that's a really good question. So I think early on, it was definitely the pendulum was definitely heavier in time. You know, you're probably spending 15 to 25 hours a week just in, you know, content creation and you know understanding the platforms you're never going to figure out all the algorithms the reality is like i know what our audience is looking for yeah some things go viral some don't to me that doesn't matter it's a consistency side and so now i mean it's definitely under 10 hours a week that i can do it but i'm not doing editing right for youtube i have another company doing that but like instagram reels and stuff for what i do it's pretty easy i can get that drone flyover i can go do you know a quick video with my phone just of the kitchen add some music to it. I mean, there's not, it's really not complicated. And then I can reuse that content on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on, uh, you know, Pinterest and Google and all these different apps. You keep so, mentioning LinkedIn. How, how has LinkedIn's that platform, so that's huge for oh you because gosh. of your, see, everybody, he, you guys need to be he's beginning on me because we don't have anything on LinkedIn. You guys need to be on LinkedIn. You need to get some, on LinkedIn. I've got some strategies for LinkedIn. Yeah. Too, so. You guys, I'm telling you, I've been preaching LinkedIn forever and it's like beating down a dead horse sometimes. Not that, I mean, you guys are definitely going to do it because you guys are definitely entrepreneur mentality. Let's go. Yeah. But the value there, see LinkedIn, people think of it like a job search engine. Okay. There's an element to that, but the biggest thing is it's professionals. Yeah. So yeah. here's the, the one key thing that people can take away from LinkedIn on Instagram. If Jake or you, Brandon, go and like one of my photos. Great. I get a vanity, vanity metric. You see it, you get a like, whatever. Yeah. Yes. If I post on LinkedIn and you guys go like it, well, now your whole network sees that you like that. So when you like my photo on, on LinkedIn, Brandon, your whole network, whoever you're connected to, sees that you like that photo. It brings in different eyes. And I can connect. You know, on LinkedIn, I can connect to every CEO, mm. every executive in Phoenix, every doctor at Mayo Clinic. I can go direct to whoever I want. It's non-soliciting. I don't need to DM them. I just put my content and they see it. And what ends up happening is, clients 
uh, my network has grown so fast through LinkedIn that, uh, again, that's, and that's the people that are buying my product. Those are the people that I'm working with ours too. And that's who you want to be in front of. You're hundred percent right. And it's wow. a lot easier to determine. These are people that are financially pre-qualified yep. in a position to purchase or talk to me. Yeah. You don't have the bots of Twitter. You don't have, uh, even the bots of Instagram. You don't have, you know, TikTok with these days, the bots are everywhere. Bots everywhere. Are bots a problem on on TikTok as much as yeah, Instagram? I mean, every every, every yeah. social media, has every yeah. social media. Has but but I'm telling you, LinkedIn is just it's so much more organic and it's so much more value. It's not as pay to play as and it's not Instagram. pay to play. Instagram's oh my gosh, like Instagram when you talk about marketing, yeah, there, we could, you know, it's definitely pay to play uh, yeah. if you want to open up those channels and it works, but you got to pay them. Yeah. Um, but LinkedIn is just definitely a direct connect. Yeah. One of the great things that you just said, and I mean, I'm kind of uh, convicted of this as well, because a lot of people, when I have conversations about like me and Brandon being on TikTok or anything like that, immediately people think it's like the, the 13 year old dancing everything, which it's not. It's one of the best algorithms around. When you bring up LinkedIn, I'm like, okay, it's, it's like a job search. Everyone is always DMing me like, hey, here's this position for you. You're fully qualified. Whereas I didn't even realize that if someone likes it, goes to their entire network that's a completely different game something that we haven't even really talked about so i mean i think if someone is watching this and trying to figure out like which social medias to be on try not to listen to the stereotypes try to be on as many social medias as you possibly can because all of them have something to bring of value and there's always going to be some type of negative connotation to that social media you just kind of have to do it and figure it out as you go. I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, it's easy. I think TikTok's a good example because when it came out, people are like, oh, it's just like little kids or people dancing, as you mentioned. But the thing is, like Instagram was that way when it came out. Like uh -huh. it was a younger generation. And it turned into a huge part of people's backbone of their business. The How thing old is, is LinkedIn? Any idea? Uh, I, 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 I was on LinkedIn when I was building Malasia, 2007. I mean, so this is at least 15, 16 years. Sure. Yeah. Can you find that out? How old is, like, is it as old as it's been around since Facebook type early 2000s? It was um, acquired by Microsoft, right? Uh, so yeah, yeah, look at the date, but I know it's been because I was connecting with people in 2007 and eight. And then I really started optimizing it seven, eight years ago, but it is LinkedIn. The thing is like, it's just content, like be consistent that, you know, people can get overwhelmed by all the different platforms and, trying to guess the algorithm or anything but if you have good content you can reuse and you can reuse it you can yeah. put on different ones and just make sure it's formatted for that platform right and uh there's a ton of value so there you go 2003 May 5th, 2003 wow. oh wow yeah platform. i knew it was early 2000s yeah. yeah i didn't realize that and people don't use it no like they should because and like it's you wide just open said, for content i think people often at least i know i did you kind of confuse in or you kind of confuse linkedin with thumbtack where you're like okay i, I don't need to hire anybody and i don't need a yeah. job why would i go on linkedin <laughs> But the way you're here's pitching why. it is, but the thing yeah. Is, yeah. personal branding is permanent job security. And so, 100%. And, and it doesn't mean that like you're just building the Brad Levitt brand. Or the, I love or, that. But the thing is, it's personal branding, permanent job security. I'm building job security for our brand, our product, and we have to be on the platform. And for you. Yeah. And for me too. AFT and Brad, you guys two different are, entities, but we're two together. different entities, but, but it's always everything you do. That's, again, that is one of the biggest things we preach when we do seminars and we talk about social media is, look... I don't care what you're going to do. I really don't care. I don't care if you want to be a sushi chef, a trainer, or whatever. You need to have personal branding centralized around your platform. Whatever your, if it's Instagram or all of them, hopefully, but whatever you are doing, you need to be, yeah. that's your, that is now your resume. Yep. You need to do that. Yes. Today. It's 100%. 2022. You have to. 
and you got to be on there and you just have to be active. And the thing with LinkedIn is that you can really target. I mean, here, here's the one simple low hanging fruit and, and, and you can apply this to your business is that I'm young. I'm starting my company. You ask, how do you get into a luxury brand? Well, you know, fortunately I went to school for construction management. I grew up working as an electrician. So I had experience in construction. Now, no one's going to hire some 25 year old kid to build their $10 million home. It's just not going to happen. Um, mm. But I did come out of college and I worked building the Mona Lucia. The Mona Lucia is this $300 million hotel in Paradise Valley, Lincoln and Tatum. And um, so I had great experience, made some great connections. The thing is, even with all that experience, college degree, been in it around my whole life, worked on a $300 million property where Trump and Obama have stayed, you know, when they're in town. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's, you it's helped build. Legit, oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, so I was part of that for three years, building the Mona Lucia. And, and the thing is, like, despite that, when I started my company and I knew architects and I knew designers and I had, you know, somewhat of a base here, I'm still a new company. I'm yeah. on my own. And so I would call some of these architects and designers and, of course, like anybody, cold calling. Hey, you know, I'm Brad. I'm starting my company, AFT. <laughs> and they never call me back. Like you just no. not going to call back. I'm just a young guy. They don't care. They're too busy. They have their core people they're working with. So LinkedIn for me, I just said, fine, I'm going to connect with architect A, architect B, designer ABC. I just want to connect and I just started posting and posting. And then finally two of the architects call me and they're like, Brad, I see your face all the time. Like, what are you doing? Why aren't we working together? Let's have dinner. I go have dinner with them and they're like, Brad, help us out with our marketing, help us out with their video content. You know, we'll get a project together. Let's collaborate. Now I'm building with both these architects. So this was a way for me not soliciting to not be like emailing them. Like, let's go to lunch. Let's have coffee, whatever. It's just, no, hey, let's meet. Yeah. Here's some, here's a exchange. Here's value I can bring to you from the marketing side on your platform with my network now. And you're seeing what I'm doing. And uh, it's a and passive invitation. It is. You're putting yourself out there without directly putting yourself out there yeah. in front of the person. It's just, you're just putting out there what you're doing and that let them reach out to you. Either it's either clients or other professionals. If they like what they're doing, if they like what you're doing, they'll reach out. It's seven points of sale. I mean, anyone that wants to sell, I have a neighbor that's like, hey, Brad, what do you do? I'm in construction. Okay, they don't know what that means. And then the funny <laughs> thing is like, we connect on LinkedIn and six months later, I see them at the park and they're like, Brad, we totally get what you do. This is amazing. Like, are you going to build our house one day? Yeah. They So the thing is like, it's just that repetition in front of their eyes mm -hmm. that eventually you want to be top of mind. The only way to be top of mind is to be in front of their eyes. And you can do that in a way that's very unconfrontational. And being in front of their eyes for a long time. Long time. Building I, a house, it's a long journey for me. Like these are two years of design, two years of build and time for people to get up there. So it's not a quick thing for me. But a long time, even for a prospective buyer to choose you as their builder. Right. Somebody to see you. One of my clients today, I didn't even know this. He told me, he goes, did you know that I followed you for three years before I hired you? Before like, he no, I didn't yeah. know that. I had no idea. He's like, yeah. I So no, social media is not instant gratification. It may seem that way to the person who's consuming it, but they may not hire you for a very long time. But if you are every single day putting something in front of their face, they're never going to forget you. And they will come to you. So it's, it's just a, a matter of time. Burn. It's a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's interesting to hear of your career pathway. You know how you started as an electrician and you moved into the space that you're in. Um, for someone watching this or, or listening to this today, what would be your advice to them if they eventually want to get into the same space? Mm. Well, I think if they want to get to the same space, it's you know all of us have to understand. Well, what's the end goal, right? If if you want to. And, and, and this is a good example. If you want to get into building a luxury product, and this could be for someone who's starting out or just doing remodels, market to where you want to be, not where you are, right? You should always be marketing to who you're going to be and, and finding that, you know, mentors in your industry, find mentors outside of your industry. 
Um, ask a lot of questions, DM people, reach yeah. out. That's the thing, like social media. And like you can DM LinkedIn and Instagram, right to executives, right to business owners that may give you five minutes. They may give you 10 minutes. They may give you zero, but you start being that path. You go chase that experience, not money. I always say chase experience, not money. Find good leadership and, uh, and eventually market your brand to who you want to be. I did that. Like I didn't, I wasn't building a 60,000 square foot house when I started, mm -hmm. but I would market the thought leadership behind it, right? The mm -hmm. quality, the process. And so people then trust you to get the next one. And then you get your first hillside. Then it turns into your net zero and your ICF. And so mm -hmm. it still is a climb, but at least it can accelerate that. And I would encourage people in any industry trying to break in and trying to level up. Don't be afraid. Just like Instagram. Don't be afraid to pay to play. It's, right. When you're young, that's necessary. It is. It's part of the journey. It was for all of us. We had to pay to get certifications. We had to pay to have mentors. We had to pay, 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 pay until eventually you get an ROI. Don't be afraid of that. And a lot of people are. A lot of people are like, I'm not going to pay to go to Brad's three-day seminar. I'm not guaranteed to get anything out of that. Well, all right. And with that mindset, you're probably right. That's <laughs> the, probably where it stops. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said for the value of mentorship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I always tell people, it's like someone that's gone there and done it before you, they take the novel and they condense it into the cliff notes. Yep. So they're, oh, yeah. they're really making it the salient points that you need to learn in order to be proficient at whatever you're trying to do. And why do you want to make all the mistakes? They've already made them. Yeah. So like oh. learn from them. And going back yeah. to the summit, it's funny because I tell, you know, some of these young entrepreneurs are like, well, when I save up, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like 10 grand to attend this thing. And we have testimonials. Like everyone came and we told them you'll make your money back in the first 40 minutes. And all of them are like, it probably took 20 minutes, you know, that not 40. <laughs> and it's a three day summit. The thing is like, I look back at my career and I'm like, had I have had the opportunity to invest 10 grand, right. To go to this and learn a lot of the fundamentals of business mm -hmm. specific to my industry, I would have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in mistakes and yeah. errors. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and all of us can be that way. So if you have those opportunities, like you said, it's, it's, we invest in education to mm -hmm. go to college, most of which doesn't even apply to anything we're doing or the oh, real world. hundred percent. So why not be specific? <laughs> yeah. There's, we, we can gain ground on YouTube and there's a lot of content out there in education but there are specifics and courses and specialized people that you yep. can just accelerate that growth. Yep. And on the other side, I think it's very important for the person or persons that are conveying that kind of seminar-based education to make sure that they give the cliff notes, to make sure that, you know, you and I, when we do seminars, we need to make sure, okay, hey, guess what? All right, I spent this much money and this much time to get this. I need to cut that dollar figure in half for you because you just gave me 10 grand. I need to make sure that because there is, there's nothing worse in the world. Forget any of our industries. There's nothing worse in the world than those, those little weekend workshops where you go there. And then the minute I get there, this person starts, starts to sell to me. So yep. it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm yep. glad you paid me 10 grand. Now give me another 10 grand. Yeah. Let me tell you what I can do. Let me sell you this course. It's already gone. It's yeah. you've already lost me as, especially when you're dealing with people who are entrepreneurs, we're very free thinkers. We mm -hmm. don't, we despise salesmen, at least I do. When someone tries to sell to me on the phone, in person, whatever, the minute you start doing that to me, I just check out. I'm just like, even whatever it is, it may be a value. I don't even want it because I didn't sign up for a sales pitch. I paid you or I'm here to learn. I'm not here for you to sell me more. So I think that's very, very noteworthy for people who are the, I hate the word influencer, but if you are the influencer, if you are the person conveying the information, make sure that information is condensed and valuable. Yeah, such such sound advice. And that's that's important for anyone in the educating field, right? To make sure that's not this bait and switch thing and you're actually giving value. I think it's always better to over deliver. Same thing and, and not to take the influencer side, but 
as you are working with product, I mean, you guys are, and you're working with brands mm -hmm. and they, they may have a commitment for deliverables that you have. I mean, I have that with some of mine mm -hmm. and I always want to over deliver, right? I want, if they can, if they contract me to do a certain amount of maybe speaking engagements or collaboration, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm always going to over deliver. And always. the thing is for the people attending, I mean, and that's just a concept of life that if you're over delivering for your clients, for your network and your people, it's always going to pay it back tenfold at some point. Absolutely. Generosity yeah. precedes prosperity especially with collaborations yep. when it's an exchange of like a product for service. If someone sends you like, Hey, I'm going to send you 500 variations on our cabinets. I want you to, I want you to pitch these, try them. If you like them, put them in your homes with your clients. They cost this, but I'll give them to you for this. You know, they want to know in exchange for this, what am I getting? I make sure that when that happens to us and it's in a piece of equipment, I want to make sure that it gets shown. I want to make sure that the people who follow me will now see this amazing product that I like. And that way the companies and especially the future companies that consider this collaboration option, they see the value in it. And that can come full circle because when I meet a, shall we say, a semi-stubborn collaborative prospect, someone who's like, well, I'm not just going to send you my product. I mean, what would I, who can I talk to that would even validate? I can say, oh no, I get it, 100%. Why don't you talk to him, 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 her, her, and her. They all did it and they can back up what I did for them. That's hugely valuable as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I left a little pause. I wasn't sure if you asked me to, to build on that, but it is though. I mean, the thing is like, you're building your network, right? Essentially, and this goes back right. to earlier in the conversation, which Brandon and Jake, you led to is that, when you're building your network, you know, the thing is you want to create, you know, a workforce of people, but also there's value you bring into that relationship. And, mm -hmm. and social media just accelerates that relationship with people, experiences and people behind the brand, right? People behind, you know, that side of the page. Yeah. Perfect. And we, we, we talk about avoiding the bait and switch, which I completely agree. I think the answer to that is tears, tears of service. So like someone comes out for a $10,000 workshop, right? Um, they really get a lot of value out of it they want more well you've got a mastermind let's say a forty thousand dollar mastermind um so having tears really allows us as coaches as people teaching other th things to people mm -hmm. basically to ascend to the next level if they want more value and it's a it's a great way to i think avoid that bait and switch situation really good yeah that level of growth and you mentioned level up i mean that's a thing right people want to advance and and having that that extra backing right to your program is super beneficial. Yeah, and being very clear with the person on what each tier brings, and making sure that you deliver on each one. Yeah, that's almost a guarantee that they will level up and they'll go to the next one. If I sell you a five thousand dollar workshop with the guarantee that you will get this, here are the talking points. Here's what we're going to discuss, and here's what I deliver to you. And you over deliver. And you over deliver. Yeah. Well, hey, I I, I might want more. Oh, perfect. Okay. Here's Here our $10,000 one and here's yeah. what it comes with. Yeah. So I think that's, there's some great, great knowledge to that too. I want to segue now and I want to talk about our two companies and yes. what we're going to do together because I'm, I've been excited about this for probably, I mean, I've, I've been excited about this for about a year, but especially when I found your page, I think we're doing a lot of the same market strategies. I think we are in a lot of the same demographic as well. And that's why I want to come together with your company what we have done and where we have seen a real, almost a shift in our product is the creation of luxury home gyms. It's a, not the first market that I saw myself going into. Of course, I wanted to train. I wanted to do all that kind of stuff. But as the result of the last eight years, 
wherein we have been working intimately with all of these incredible company manufacturers that make equipment. I, I Getting back to the earlier point about having the access to the CEOs of this company, if I want to do a product here and I want to place it, okay, well, I just text this person. All those relationships extrapolate and build over time to now we have we have a very very healthy list of manufacturers and people that can i can call and say all right i need flooring i want this size i want this color i want this scape let's do it and i will get incredible deals through the affiliate marketing that eli has set up to where the the people that build your homes well a lot of them i mean that house is enormous he probably wants a home gym in there he can work with us we can get him deals on the actual manufacturing costs, save him some money, and he will get the knowledge that we have accrued over all this time to where I, it's, it's part of the reason why I think this is such a new and really quickly successful venture that we've gone on. We're not linked to any one specific manufacturing company of equipment. What I have is the very almost... OCD based knowledge on which piece of equipment for which function, for which person, for the square square footage, for the budget, all of that stuff factors in when I make a decision during a consultation for a home gym build. And that's what I think we could really help out with your demographic because your clients want, they want the best. And it's not really based on budget. It's based on the size of my area and what do I want to get out of it? Well, I, I, I love the value proposition because essentially you know, most of the clients are coming out because they want turnkey, right? They, you know, I always use this term toothbrush ready, you know, so you just bring your toothbrush, you're done. Pool's done, landscape's done, house is done. Yep. Just move on in, close, toothbrush, whatever. Um, but essentially, yeah, they, they want this one-stop shop. They have everything done, trimmed, designed, furnished, everything in, and that's where you guys can excel. And what's unique is you have this very unique space, right? Mm -hmm. You and Jake and Eli have created, and you can have something this ornate or this like, you know, eccentric. I mean, whatever you want to call it, but at the same time, you can have something more modern or fitting to a client. Uh -huh. You have complete versatility and this is due to your relationships and product and versatility. So that's why I've made the intro to some of my clients. So those listening, that's why we're going to be collaborating. We're going to have projects together that we're going to be doing. You're going to be doing the home gyms for our clients because it's just a marriage where it's really important. And we're seeing this space become more sought after. Yes. We saw gyms close in COVID. Yeah, yes. You know, even now gyms are at least in Phoenix, you know, capacity. Mm -hmm. um, some people travel a lot. They don't have time maybe to come for personal training. Maybe they do, or maybe sure. they're looking for someone to come to their house and, you know, time's a priority. So they just want to be in their backyard or in guest house or something. So, so that's definitely something that that level of clientele time is value for them mm -hmm. more than money. And so if the more they can have time and by having a home gym or have that product there just saves Absolutely. for them. And the, market for the equipment for gym use for the home has exploded since the pandemic. There are more, at least from what I've seen on social media, there are more people building and designing home gyms, home gym groups, home gym forums, equipment companies just for the home. Not that I'm always a fan of those companies, but there are a massive number of people that are interested in this 
that it didn't seem to be the case five years ago, even less time. I mean, would you agree? It, yeah. it seems like it's gone up. And, and even beyond the the strength and conditioning functions of a home gym, people are really looking more into like recovery, mm -hmm. uh, contrast therapy, Heck yeah. cold tubs, That's uh, saunas, uh, hot tubs, all of those things. Yep. So. I mean, especially in a luxury construction. And we're going to have plugs for all of those. Our, our Which new is models. huge. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because, Jake, we have clients, you know, doing cold plunges, doing dry saunas that one of them's looking at like cryotherapy. I mean, these are things that they're looking to do. You know, mm -hmm. we talked before this episode, you know, hyperbaric chamber cupping that you're, you're already doing. Yes. And these are things that clients want and, mm -hmm. and that you can now provide for them yeah. for their convenience. And the problem is with these types of decisions when it comes to purchasing and placing the more expensive option is not always your best one right take cryotherapy for example there's a perfect example if i were to price out an ice bath that uses water as the transition of temperature or a cryotherapy chamber which is not only an initial startup cost much higher than an ice bath but a continual cost because you have to keep refueling the tank over and over and over again well okay to to a novice you know, person whose wealth has accrued, they may just go, oh, no, I'll do cryo because, you know, it's $25,000 more. It's got to be better. It's not always the case. Yep. And that's where I think this relationship it, will be very that's helpful. That's the trust, the consultation. Yes, exactly. The mm -hmm. and, and, and it comes through, I can tell you that it comes through an honest 12-year vetting process that I've gone through. I have watched meticulously this industry change and ebb and flow and shape i've seen equipment companies die i've seen new ones grow and and i i have worked with so many now that i it's great to be able to kind of just weed through them and just hand select again getting back to the earlier point of not being married you know we don't rep any one company i cherry pick because it's so extraordinarily detailed when you really get into it if you truly do want to have the best i mean for specialty barbells it's kabuki for racks it's just rogue it's those are just examples but not having a marriage to one company for your total gym experience which is what most of the people doing these kinds of services do have they're repped by cybex they're repped by rogue they're going to do a rogue gym they're going to do a cybex gym and that's the end of the conversation for them because that's how they ultimately make their money is through that sort of a thing. For us, being a basically a consultant, we get to look at a home, a space, a client, their needs, and I get to hand select what I know to be the best. And that's the authenticity, right? And that's the value proposition you're adding, the experience, the knowledge, the know-how, the networking, the you know the product development that you've been involved in and understanding. That's the value you bring to the client, to my client, to the collaboration. And then again, the authenticity, which is like, I'm not just going to sell the one brand because they're paying me or sponsor me or whatever. <laughs> you know, there's there's some educated thought behind this and that that's the value that people are looking for. Absolutely. And food for thought, this kind of just, I mean, came to me with these clients. What we will be essentially able to do is on top of the creation of their facility, which of course it could just end there. I will be able to then create programming and structure strength training and maybe even come in and coach based on the facility that I know they have because I made it. Yep. So, I mean, it just kind of keeps on going. If, if this is a relationship they like, and again, to our earlier point about how, you know, you can keep going with those relationships, even past the initial sell, if they like what we do and they like how we've made ours and they love when theirs is done, well, who knows? I mean, maybe it keeps going. Maybe they just want to, maybe they want to work with us going forward. And that's a whole different, again, this is how you expand your business, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly what you're doing. It happens kind of fun. It, it, it's very fun when it sort of just organically comes happens, to you. Comes to you. Yeah. Well, it's hard work. It's dedication. You know, it's what you're doing. Yeah. 
and it's fun. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the other thing is I, I I find that so much of the reward for me comes because I don't go to work ever under really any circumstance. I don't really know what that sort of feels like. And yeah, I passion. think I think that comes out with the people who work with me. They, 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 I get asked sometimes like, oh, you, you ever really get in a bad mood? I'm like, yeah, but not when I work. Yeah. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm always in a good mood when I work because I'm not working. I, I get to hang out with people and train them in my garage. I get to make, I get to, I get to spend other people's money and build gyms. If you didn't tell me like, hey, because that's what's so funny. When we buy things, you get that little, you know, that little Christmas present gratification moment where you're like, oh, I get to unbox it. Here it comes. Yeah. And then it's gone. You're like, oh, well, that was cool. It's yeah. gone. Now I get to do that over and over and over again for yeah. new gyms all the time. There's some truth to that though, because the reality is we all have that letdown. You think a material thing is going to solve, you know, whatever complexity you have in your life. But at the same time you get to enjoy that and it's, you know, then, and do it for someone else. I mean, I see the same thing when you're building and you know, you get to see the gym going and see your creation go in. And for us, you know, every time a cabinet or a countertop goes in, I mean, it's, it's exciting, right? And yeah. you're mm-hmm. excited for the people. So yeah. And you get to, Retap into that each yeah, time. Because, each time. Because you love. It's like, hey, yeah. this house is done. Great. Let's go to the next one. Let's yeah. make sure we keep that Christmas present feeling going yeah. over and over again. I love that analogy. Uh, oh, great, man. So where can people find you if they yeah. want to connect? Uh, so yeah, so Jake mentioned earlier, so um, everything is branded for AFT Construction. So. By the way, your logo is probably one of the best I've ever seen. I absolutely love it. Do you see what it is? It's yeah. A and F and a T all together. That's, yeah. that's incredible. It's well, my favorite logo I think I've ever seen. Well, thank you. I've uh, Fortunately, I've had uh, a great creator create that, uh, Renee Clark, actually one of my employees. It's his wife that came up with it. So our formal name is a finer touch construction, but we go by AFT. And so the logo is the A, the F, and the T all together. All together, yeah. Yeah, and that's how people know it's the AFT. So AFT underscore construction is every platform. Uh, AFT construction podcast, AFTconstruction.com. LinkedIn is just Brad Levitt. That's the only one that's independent. You're going to get better traction. We won't go into strategy, but LinkedIn's better as in as you individual, as opposed to a company, but every other platform is AFT construction. So even our YouTube channel, podcast, you name it. Sick. Well, bro, we are, I know I speak for everybody here. We're very excited to be partnering with you and I, I cannot wait. Honestly, I can't wait for the content. I just, I think when we bring it all together, when we start, when we start using the drone, when we start using what we're already doing, we bring it all together and we start using, Oh, it, the, they're going to be so sexy. So the awesome. gyms are going to be so, so can't cool. wait. So for those listening, stay tuned. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll cut it there.